In December 1987, in a wintry small town in northeast Massachusetts, a group of pastors and theologians met to talk about what they saw as a disruptive and destructive theological worldview. This disruptive and destructive worldview, they firmly believed, was unraveling the very tapestry of Orthodox Christianity. What was this worldview? Feminism, or feminist egalitarianism, as this group called it. That December in 1987 wasn't the first time this group had gathered to strategize. No, they had met in secret over the course of many months. Though the leaders believed their work done in secret would eventually be disseminated in an official statement to stem the tide of the liberal feminist waves lapping against the church of the 1980s, what we know now, 35 years later, is that in an attempt to place women in a specific status in the church and home, a tsunami of sexism and biblical proof-texting bullying was unleashed in the church that has had seismic divisive effects on hundreds of thousands of people. Evidence of the devastating spiritual, psychological, and emotional effects of this group among victims are still being revealed. Who is this group? They named themselves the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Welcome to the 167 Podcast, a podcast to inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Our goal is to help you live into the 167 hours of your week away from church. And now your host, Shannon Patterson. Well, hey, Porch community, and welcome to a special edition of the 167 podcast called The Problem With. I'm Shannon Patterson, and I'm here with my good friend, Josh Harrell, and our special guest, Will Steinberg. And over the next several episodes, we'll be looking at the problem with the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood and the divisions and opinions and scholarship regarding men, women, and the church most especially in American Christianity. Each episode, we'll look at a specific problem, but we'll also take a few moments to look at the problem with our commentary and opinions to see if there's another viewpoint for us to look at. This is some material I've been reading and researching for quite some time, many, many months, actually. Um, So, gentlemen, welcome to the program. Josh, hello, sir. Hey, Shannon. Uh, Oh, we were waiting. We were waiting. Will, welcome, sir. Hey, Shannon. How's it going? (laughs) Hey, Will. How's it going? Going well. Hey, everybody. Going well, Will? Going well, Will. Going well, Will. Say that ten times fast. Yeah, so uh, we are recording during our Vacation Bible School Week and Mm -hmm. our Middle School Mission Week. So and, we had um, to find a chunk of time when yeah, we could get they are all eating a dinner right now. Building, no one's in the building, <laughs> so we're keeping them away. But no, so we've been having uh, Will and I. Will's helping out this week, and uh, Josh and I kind of have an ongoing conversation. Um, and Will and I have been talking, and so we said, "Hey, Will, you want to join us on the podcast?" And I didn't even get to finish the sentence, and he goes, "Absolutely, I would love to be on there." <laughs> so um, welcome to the episode, and uh, we'll probably have you on some some more. So of of this this Mm -hmm. little uh, time together. So um, let's jump right in. Uh, You know, Josh, especially, and I know you have listened to a lot of the episodes. Um, So you're, you're fairly caught up. Will. Um, we've talked about in, in previous episodes, many of the topics Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, that will probably pop up uh, in the next few episodes. Um, We've talked about women in ministry uh, we've talked about the complementarianism and egalitarianism. 
Uh, we dissected the rise and fall of Mars Hill, yep. which a lot of issues regarding uh, sexism or the, uh, view of women and mm-hmm. leadership and stuff mm-hmm. like that came up, but not just about um, genders in that regard, but other things as well. Um, in recent weeks, the news out of the SBC, the Southern Baptist Church, um, has been coming up and, and kind of the mishandling of of some sex abuse claims and leadership abuse claims. Yeah. It's been almost damning to the SBC, which is mm-hmm. really sad. Um, so, Josh, I remember, gosh, I want to say, I don't know if it was during the complementarian or egalitarian combo or if it's maybe it was when we were beginning the Mars Hill dissection, but you had talked about how you were you were a Driscoll boy. You were a Mark Driscoll yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so have you guys heard of the term Theo Bros? Yeah. Okay. So, so you were kind of a Theo bro. I was, a, I was an OG Theo bro. Oh, like, one of the, yeah. Like yeah. I was a Theo bro before Theo bros had man buns. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what I'm talking about, Will. Exactly so can can I get about. a loose uh, definition of a Theo bro? So basically, if it was re- if it was reformed, it was my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it was all about. Um, I read every commentary by Mark Driscoll. Francis Chan, David Platt, John Piper, mm-hmm. and hardly read the Bible. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was reading all the commentaries about the Bible and and letting these four to five guys mm-hmm. basically cultivate my entire thought process while actually bringing in the Holy Spirit or the Bible with it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a very common occurrence in that early 2000s mm-hmm. college college guy group Mm -hmm. and i think and i could be wrong will you chime in on this i think what i have witnessed from an outsider looking in because obviously i'm not a theo bro um is that there's like you know you get the 2.0s and the 3.0 versions of things Mm -hmm. yeah and i feel as if we've still got the theo bro vibe in in a lot of circles in that kind of fundamental circle some Mm -hmm. but there is biblical scholarship being now attached to it yes is that will what do you I would I would definitely well, say that. Yeah. So one thing that I'm seeing really heavy is that when um, these guys that were following these guys, including other guys, uh, I, I don't really want to give them time of day, but they were <laughs> attached to these guys, and as they started basically falling short, mm. you know, you've realized that you've, you've built your castle on these guys mm-hmm. as opposed to the Bible, and then you go, well, I mean – these guys have fallen short on me, but I'm still holding to uh, the Holy Spirit. So I need to go basically rediscover mm-hmm. my faith. So you had to own that, that yeah. you were putting your... I was putting too much weight on these you guys. You putting them up on the mm-hmm. pedestal. Yeah. 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 But, basically rock rock star pastors, you know. Well, right. And I but, said they're so, they, they're, they're so magnetic. Like yeah. they draw mm-hmm. you in. Yeah. And, and they were like the grunge rock star pastors especially right? yeah about yeah the early 2000s Be- because and, they, yeah. they weren't up there in their three-piece suits talking to a thousand people they were doing a couple hundred in the beginning they were doing a couple hundred churches but they were b- able to put their stuff online you know and, and that growing in that, that growing media, yeah. media field like these guys were really like going counterculture to what church looked like mm-hmm. and to me at that point church was 30 years behind yeah technology yeah yeah and so these guys are like, no, no they're, tech, they were with it. They, they were with it, and yeah. and and for until you really started <clears throat> digging or you started e- examining, they most of them were preaching biblical truths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
now that and then mm-hmm. there yeah, were other things sure. that weren't but like i mean they they were talking about the raw like mm-hmm. doctrine in, in the bible no one was calling him a heretic or anything no i mean there was and, no you know no one was writing like they're speaking blasphemy it, i think at the beginning of a lot of these uh, careers ministries you know what, yeah. what you want to call it and, and because they were so raw i don't think they had to mm-hmm. because what they were saying was so like People Even, were like, dang. Yeah. It, it was so groundbreaking. The rawness was so groundbreaking. They didn't have to Which be. Which is totally Driscoll. They, I mean, this yeah, totally they, explains yeah, his, they didn't, his rise. Yeah, they didn't have to say anything, like, really challenging. Mm-hmm. They just read the Bible and said, well, we all suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely no sugarcoating yeah, whatsoever. There was no sugarcoating on any of it. Like, there there wasn't any of, of like, uh, a good pastor would take or not a good pastor but a current pastor at the time would take like what is the hard truth here now let me soften it for the people that are in the pews because mm. i don't want to run people away mm-hmm. they didn't care mm-hmm. like yeah if you don't this is what the bible says if you don't like it go bye. away bye <laughs> and and that was kind of the, the as one was, of our as one of the kids in our vbs bb vbs class only, said only earlier Shannon, she was like vbs <laughs> class she was like yeah. it was like we were watching a video about someone like going on a trip and the girl in class goes bye felicia and will and i just looked at her she's like oh no we gotta we gotta yeah. stay focused mm-hmm. sorry anyway but that that was the that was the mindset yeah was, bye. The, and and that was like the whole theo bro <laughs> thing was like not I mean, in my case, it was not reading the raw scripture, but being fed mm-hmm. what I thought was an unfiltered mm-hmm. raw scripture, mm-hmm. and not and basically kind of kicking to the curb everything that was the established church that I grew up yeah. in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is you want to throw in something on here as far as like so? I would look at Josh as kind of like the early Theobros. Um, you know, you are will just from my uh, just seeing uh following you on instagram and stuff like and i know you don't post stuff on purpose but i know that you are very intentional about your personal scholarship in regards Mm -hmm. to god's word and and those things and that's something that's just huge to you Mm -hmm. um in in the the circles you're in in the just the where you are in your life as Mm -hmm. a college student in your 20s um is, is there a similar vibe that's out there like Josh just described, but a couple of years, I mean, now down the road? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think that we're, some people are kind of looking at us like, oh, we might not have a, a Driscoll right now. Right. And in the current, like, Christian world. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, he's still out there. He, he's still <laughs> out there. He's still out there. We just, I don't think we've seen that one come, like, rising up, you know, mm-hmm. and. But when I look at both like situations, um, like with people my age, and then you know the ones that came up, Josh, like when you were in college, it all started with the same issue, and that's what I think is one of the biggest issues that has faced the church and mm-hmm. still does face the church, mm-hmm. and it's probably one of the biggest issues at the church, and that's just the putting the pastors on a pedestal mm-hmm. because when they fall, they mm-hmm. fall hard, mm-hmm. and it doesn't just hurt them, but it hurts you. And, and that's when, you know, the like, oh, the like the kind of those faith shaking events mm-hmm. in our life happens. Like, oh, like mm-hmm. I start to question everything I know. It's like like Josh was saying, it's like this guy, you know, I thought I was getting this truth from him. 
And but what happened is my faith was completely dependent on another human being. Mm-hmm. And as grateful as I am for your teaching, Shannon, sure. and yours, Josh, Kristen's, you know, Justin, Allison, too, my faith can't be dependent on another person. No, because sir. at the end of the day, no matter how much y'all are intentional about uh, loving on us and giving us the truth, y'all are still human at the end of the day. That's right. And you know, I, I hate to break it to you, but y'all aren't perfect. So <laughs> what? <laughs> um, I, I've already I've already received that information from my daughter, um, from <laughs> my husband, from many other people. But thank you for reminding me. I needed to know that again. So no, you're right. You're you're so right. Um, so now you know we're we're talking about the problem with, and we'll have a kind of a different fill in for each mm-hmm. time. Yeah. But the, there's an the overarching thing. So I I don't want to I, I want to say up front, let's let's talk. I know that the problem with even our commentary tonight uh, might be that we're gonna we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater because one of the things you pointed mm-hmm. out and you pointed out, Josh. I'm no one knows. Both of you pointed out <laughs> was. Um, <laughs> That I think the the desire, the um, the putting the person on the pedestal, even though wrong, um, what was within that was a lot of people were searching for. They mm-hmm. wanted mm-hmm. they wanted real. They wanted truth. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't just want like shock jock, you know, like no. stuff. They wanted biblical, scriptural teaching that they felt like they weren't getting in their local church or they weren't getting in their campus ministry or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And so there's some, there's a, that's a, a seed of truth there. So we'll, I think we'll come back around to that because mm-hmm. by discussing some of these things, um, you know, and even talking about like the Theo bros or the, the young restless reform, that was right, another yeah, term. Yeah. Um, one of the uh, terms I use is brotastic, which actually is not just for the Theo bros. It could be for anything. It could be like a bunch of fraternity guys is okay. Bro they're country, being, they're yeah, being brotastic. Yeah. Um, but this is not like a guy's bad girls better or, you know, uh, you know, anything like that. So we'll, but we'll come back and go, okay, is there anything that we had a, is there a problem with anything we said um, mm-hmm. through this yeah. episode mm-hmm. that I want us to look at? Um, so here's here's a question I put right up front, and and um, both of you weigh in on this, um, because this is kind of the premise that I've built this particular episode on, um, and I'm still working through it. I mean, I, I said I've been working on this for months. Josh knows I have. I've alluded to it in a couple of different episodes that I've – and I still don't feel like I have it. Josh reminded me today, well, you'll never have it all. But here's the question I'm kind of pr- I'm posing. Do we see a trend or a pattern um, that has occurred even going further back than the early 2000s? But mm-hmm. I think 2000 is a good place, a good middle point. I could even say I would go back even like four decades um, into the eighties. Is there a trend or a pattern of, and and we'll get into some definitions again in a minute to remind people of the complementarian movement of, of the, the hard definition of, uh, roles of men, roles of women, um, uh, authority, um, because authority became a big problem with some of the issues we've seen lately. Um, not even really necessarily about, about, um, the genders as much as just the authority wielded mm-hmm. um is has there been a trend um with all of this uh, the fall of many leaders in sbc um and how and how women are viewed <laughs> has ha- has there been a trend that i would say that's connected to is there some starting point or is this been an ongoing thing 
has this been an ongoing thing through Christianity, through humanity? Um, I don't even know if I'm posing the question right, but um, I don't know. I'm wondering if there's a trend between uh, maybe the rise of uh, the complementarian way of viewing uh, the church and the people within the church and how uh, women have been mistreated um, and viewed by the church. That's, I guess, my big question. I would say that the complementarian rise is kind of a bystander of the rise of the neo-Calvinist in in recent decades. Yeah. So I would say, like, the, you know, you, you have the buy-in of the neo-Calvinism of, you know, the five points, every, like, everybody mm-hmm. sucks, God's the only <laughs> one that can do anything, mm-hmm. and we can't, we can't get there. It takes an act of God to save us. Yes. You know? Yeah. And yeah. that is a in in a system that is leaning more towards complementarian anyway, without actually calling it that. You know, mm-hmm. like a Baptist or a Presbyterian system. Mm-hmm. Latching onto that Calvinist was is easy, pretty much. You uh-huh. know, because you're already like you're just kind of thinking of a word to call it. Sure. And then as those um, Calvinistic things become very stronghold in the way in your like faith view mm-hmm. i think the complementarian stuff kind of catch up yeah and then kind of take over because you end up being more complementarian than you actually do a calvinist per se mm-hmm. because yeah they coexist together but it as those complementarian values kind of take hold they kind of take precedence over those calvinistic views to where you're more adhering to the complementarian stuff mm-hmm. than you are the calvinism view of even faith and here's my thought about that is in a local church setting um is is the complementarian viewpoint more easily able to like you're more if you're a leader in a in a complementarian church Mm -hmm. it's easy to enforce or include or add on new complementarian type rules or structures in your local church than it is um, you're not waiting for like a letter to come down no, from somewhere it's no. like you know what we're going to have a board meeting and we're going to decide and this is to the nth degree here the the length of the women's dresses that they can wear you know or who can sing or who's able to read on the stage or yeah that person can't be behind that pulpit they can read from a lectern you know or whatever you yeah. know like you can enforce that in a local church and in a way that's you're not waiting for a bigger, a larger body to come in and dictate and, that. And I don't know if if it's because of where we are geographically, uh-huh. but I would even say it's been in like the Baptist area and the Presbyterian area. You'll actually see a lessening of like restrictions on random things, but enforcement on yeah key things. Right. Yeah. Like go away from saying how long the dress has to be or mm-hmm. anything like that, but but go whole hog on who can preach. Like like it might just be up to the local congregation what they're gonna focus yeah. on as the most important. And, or and I would say even <clears throat> all churches in this area, even before 1987, had that in like most Baptist Presbyterian and all those churches uh-huh. had all this in place already. Mm-hmm. And then. As times have 
gotten up. One of uh, uh, someone that uh, is in ministry that I knew growing up. I actually had a conversation about this with him. Um, he has been told that one of, one of the leaders in his church that he sees the degradation of the SBC because of lo- loosening mm. since the since the whatever it is called the council on biblical manhandled woman yeah, they, cbmw there 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 are yeah. some people in the sbc that see that that they went backwards on certain things and they and they loosened the reins in certain areas wow yeah okay well so okay so speaking of them so so this group that met in 1987 which was a wonderful year by the way because i graduated high school that year um but i mentioned will's going you're old um i mentioned <laughs> at the outset um the council Neither on, of us were born <laughs> the council on biblical manhood and womanhood was was birthed out of division which a lot of movements are um, division in Christendom is nothing new, so a little bit of backstory with, with that is in regards to that. In the first few centuries, there was division between Judaism and Christianity. Hello. Um, into the third and the fourth centuries, divisions were born over things like Trinitarian theology. Okay, In the 16th century, there were divisions on soteriology, which is how you view, how do you get salvation? Where does that come from? And ecclesiology, which is just what is the purpose of the church? And then you go into the 19th, much closer to home, 1970s and the 80s and 90s, there were divisions as well. In the 70s, um, the women's movement began to make a lot of inroads into a number of arenas in the United States. So you're talking work, education, politics. And so you could say without a doubt that the United States was pulsating with the women's liberation movement. Um, what were they, what was this movement? Why did women need liberating? Well, a couple of examples, um, employment discrimination just in general was not the best. Uh, I mean, it was, it was bad. So, Mm -hmm. um, there was, uh, (laughs) employment discrimination, uh, towards women, I should say there was employment discrimination for pregnant women. I mean, if you got pregnant, you lost your job. Um, there was, women were, uh, pushing for reform of rape laws, um, kind of laws where, um, abolishing laws where, uh, if a woman, uh, you know, went to report rape, that there would have to be a witness to corroborate a woman's report of rape in order for it to actually be prosecuted or even looked into. Um, domestic violence in many air, in many states was not uh, criminalized. So, you know, if a, you know, husband was beaten on his wife, that she had no recourse um, to go and press charges because it was uh, viewed as private and in the home. So these were some, some of the things that uh, people, the, the, the liberation movement was working on. Now, there were many more, and there were some, um, you know, this was viewed as, it was a hot topic. Um, it was uh, so very um, just, you know, you drop it in, and it's going to be something that people are going to be like, yes or no. I mean, it, it was a hot-button topic. Um, and so in the midst of this liberation movement, Christians, of course, because this is happening across the country, you know, um, many Christians, including evangelicals, because a lot of times when we say evangelical now in 2022, we might have a different understanding of that word, Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, 
but many Christians uh, came to start to champion women's equality as well. They started looking at this going, wow, this is really not good. And so there was this force of people saying, yes, women need, we need to reform these laws. Women need to have equality in the work, in the workforce. They need to be able to have rights within their home and society, but then also in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this equality uh, that they were fighting for and, and looking for is, is known as, so here's where we get a little definitions again, is just to remind us of egalitarianism. And this is just a really basic definition of this, but um, we could say that egalitarianism is where um, spouses would view each other more as equally responsible for just the overall family, um, their relationship, how they parent, all those things. Um, that their marriage is as a partnership of two equals that submit to one another. Um, that the responsibilities of the home, um, that they're not necessarily predetermined roles that they walked into the marriage with, but it's who can do these things, um, and that they're more based on availability, you know, who's able to do it, um, and who has the ability best to do it, and not anything about gender, like, oh, vacuuming, a woman, you know, that kind of thing, oh, mowing the lawn, man, like that, there was no, like, predetermined things like that. So, um, and they would also say egalitarianism, that men and women can hold leadership positions in anything in life. So um, I would refer you back to episode, all the way back to episode 30 of the 167 podcast. Um, We talk about women pastors and leaders. Um, We look at Jesus's uh, removal of limitations on women in ministry. And then you can also go into episode 38 and 39 to look at uh, in depth on complementarian and egalitarianism. Okay. So, but not everyone duh, in Christendom, supports an egalitarian view. Uh, Far from it. I would say the egalitarians are the minority uh, view in in large part. Mm. Um, And I don't know if you guys think you're like, yeah or no. I don't know on that one. I I guess my question would be uh, in the, I know we're no longer a part of it, but the Methodist Church, is it more egalitarian or complementarian? The United Methodist Church is egalitarian in their polity, mm-hmm. uh, in their governing structure, um, but you would not, and, and I'm not, but depending on the local church, yeah, like yeah. there are definitely United Methodist churches that say, we we do not want a woman pastor, mm-hmm. just period, the end. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then you can't necessarily call them egalitarian if no. that's their viewpoint. Um so, but in their polity, everything they would say, you know, we ordain women, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And there's other ch- other churches like that as well. Yeah, uh, but the UMC is probably the most predominant egalitarian? Uh, yes, the largest egalitarian mm-hmm. uh, in, in their polity. Yes. Okay. Yep, yep. Um, so let's go back even further from 1987. Let's go back to 1977, which was also a good year because I was in third grade and Talking Heads came out with their very first album. <laughs> Okay. Uh, uh, you've got your Bible open. You want to share some with us? Or is this, are you going to hit us upside the head with something in a minute? Yeah. Okay, good. All right. You're going to rebuke us? No. All right. No, are you no. gonna, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Get ready. Here comes so the hammer. So in, in comes 1977, the so in response to the rise of the this egalitarian movement, all right, the, the, this, this, this um, desire for, for some to push for equality. And so when we talk about the minority, I mean, you're going to see people, you're going to see people in education, Mm -hmm. um, in politics, um, and in 
some echel- of higher echelons in the church pushing for this. But the, when you get down to the, the everyday person, you know, that's where you're going to see the, the uh, we're not, I'm not so sure about this. But so in response to this desire to see more equality, uh, George Knight, who is, um, I don't know if he's, no, he's no longer living. He was a professor and a theologian. He published um, a book called New Testament Teaching on the Role Relationship of Men and Women. This was pretty groundbreaking, and I would say it started, you know, the snowball effect? Mm-hmm. I would say that little that little tiny snowball just started to catch on to some stuff in regard to where we're going. Because in this night, and I don't know if he, he didn't coin the phrase, but he introduced to a larger audience the idea and the terminology of role differences. And that term role is very important. Okay. Now. Yes. So he didn't, he didn't, in- he didn't invent it. No, because I mean, society was basically already playing into a role system. Right, but he, yeah, he just coined it as um, that there are there are role. I don't think at any point someone had written down there wasn't a list. Men, men, men do this. Women do this. This, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Because if you go back to like uh, we we talked, I don't know if we've actually talked about it in the podcast, but the show Mad Men, right? Oh my goodness! You know, like they. Ooh, if all, you want to see how women were exactly viewed so, and treated, yeah. So like that, it was already. Like, life was already in a role system. Yeah, yeah. A caste system, if you want to say. Basically, yeah. 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 So, I guess he did coin the phrase. I mean, kind of, but it comes because from it the just, stage. It, it comes from acting. It, yeah. So, you can go back to Greece in yeah, regard yeah. to this. That mm-hmm. These were positions or, or things that people played. This mm-hmm. is how they lived yeah. into this. Because, so, yeah, he because didn't society, it. our American yes. society, was already doing this. But it's kind of like... Once it gets like put down in print and oh, read a across now. a thing, yeah, and you know that's we get our, you know, what's the current thing for the week here? Mm-hmm. You know, someone wrote a a blog, someone tweeted something, you know, and there mm-hmm. it is. And yeah. so that was kind of the the same effect in in 1977 of this. He really, um, I don't know, would shown the light on role uh, relationships of men and women. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he made a, ca- a case in his book, and this is where it gets really, well, he made a case in his book for the permanent subordination of women by introducing and by adding on this word role. So basically what he did is he took the word subordination mm. and role and, and he put them together. Right. And, and that, this is where it kind of changed. changed. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. So for him, for Knight, a role... Uh, is what identifies the different opportunities that a man and a woman are allowed to have. Because mm. remember, he was a theologian. He wasn't like a sociologist. He's talking about scripturally, he saw here's what is allowed yeah. um, mm. by this. Um, and uh, he pushed the concept that in creation, God gave to man the ruling role and to women the obeying role. And so it's from that outset, and that's where you will get your your complementarian and egalitarian go all the way back to Genesis. Yeah. And it really starts with, was Adam given authority before the fall or after the fall? Uh, your egalitarians would say that that the the fall is what put 
men and women at odds in regard to this and that because Jesus came to wipe all that away and fill it in that's something for us to move towards where your complementarians would say no it was God ordained for women for men to to have uh, the number one role and for women to have number two role well God didn't say here here you you need a subordinate you know he says he's like no you don't need to be alone Right. Let's make right. a partner. And there's a whole thing about the the translation of the word helper. Yep. Which we will get into in another episode. Mm-hmm. Faux show. Well, you're just gonna hang out. Have to hang out for the whole series. Yeah, you'll just have to come around if <laughs> you got. If you got. Yeah. Is there anything you want to jump in? What, what it appears to me about and and a lot of this, um, like I had not known, like this night guy, never heard of him before. Mm-hmm. So like just somebody who's, which I know, Shannon, you've done like a lot of research on this, um, and like this guy. Um, but for the first time, just seeing him, just my like observation is what I see. It's just kind of like, oh, I see something going on, and you know, I just need to slap some rules on it. It's like, <laughs> it's like I don't want anybody playing in my sandbox. Yeah. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna create some rules. Yeah. That make it seem like nobody else can enter my sandbox. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So like, I'm over I've... here. Here's the here's the preacher. <laughs> yeah. Sandbox. Uh-huh. And ooh, but I didn't like it when you know Susie uh-huh. and Sally tried to. Yeah. Come I saw over an here. episode of Mary Tyler Moore, and I'm gonna put my foot down, <laughs> like or whatever it was. You know. <laughs> she exactly. showed her ankles. Yes. <laughs> exactly, and just that. That single woman living in the city. Yes. Throwing her beret in the air. Oh Lord. So all all the people that watch the show know what I'm talking about. But anyway. <laughs> but just the the need for there to have to be that that specific rule, and that's when you kind of, which I think we'll get into this later. That's when we're no longer having, oh, this is my interpretation, but we're saying, oh, we know what, this is capital T truth. Mm, 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 mm. And yeah, um, and we're going to talk about how we throw the word biblical around. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, yeah, so we're gonna, yeah, that's a good, very good point. And not knowing this night from Bobby Knight. <laughs> I don't know if this guy threw chairs at people. So there. It makes me wonder: A, was he married? And B, was his, was it a successful, godly marriage? Um, I don't know that. I'm not sure. I'm sure. Be, I mean, who knows that part? But but, the, but like, I'm sure he was married. But yeah, because that's it. Because that would be interesting. Like, did he have a wife that he was always at odds with? Mm-hmm. You know and. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes, well, something that's theologically got to be wrong with this because me and her just she's can't. Not, she's not ready for Special you know, Tuesday every Tuesday, so exactly. I've got to figure out a biblical reason for this and exactly. make sure she's ready for it. Yeah, we go there, Will. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so so it, makes, it makes me wonder those things right off. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, and I think this is something to make clear. I think, I hope like, our listeners get this, but complementarian is not all the men are in the complementarian camp and all the women are in the egalitarian camp. No, there's a, there are a lot of women who would find themselves somewhere on the spectrum. We talked about that mm-hmm. today because it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And I think that's a very, very Either important or. point You to have make. to be complementarian exactly. or you have to be egalitarian. Yes. No, you don't. Well, our, mm-hmm. No, our, you don't. Our world is so polarizing, it has to be. It's exactly You've what got to have a label. Yeah. And there's so no. many more issues other than just this, that it's everybody's creating like a false dichotomy. It's like you are either all in one right. or you are all in the other. And just total transparency, one of the reasons I held on to this stuff for a long time is because I didn't want to even have the the view I didn't want anyone to think oh that's what Shannon's doing is is creating a polarizing situation because mm-hmm. I don't that's not the whole point of this yeah. um, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting 
but it's not something that I'm not going to, uh, this ain't going to come up on, on a Sunday morning. Yeah. No. I mean, we'll Nor break down it. some scripture. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I don't want to be that kind of polar. And I'm certainly not, I mean, obviously I'm a woman in ministry, so I am towards the egalitarian side mm-hmm. of the spectrum if you have to label it. Um, but that doesn't mean that, that um, you know, I, I was asked not too long ago, was like, so you don't even think there's a difference between a man and a woman? And I was like, um, nope. I, I mean, yes, I, I definitely think there's a difference between a man because and a woman. Because that's exactly what I said. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what I said. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, the, no, no, we're not just a bunch of androgynous people walking mm-hmm. around, you know, without any any uh Ugh, special worked. uh you know features or abilities i mean drew can't have a baby you know i'm the one that bore mallory i mean that's just the way things are and and anyway so we'll we'll get into that uh let, let's focus in a little bit more on on um this guy knight um because as what what he did um by kind of combining subordination and role is i i think he I think he put a term to maybe the way, I mean, you look throughout history and, uh, you know, women have not always been, you know, at the top of the, of the, the sand pile. I mean, you know, they're, if, if anything, they were usually, you know, second place. I mean, they've, women have been abused throughout history, yeah. mm-hmm. um, have been mistreated, have been treat you know, property, um, you know, that kind of thing. We know that that's not, um, so, but I think he took the idea of subordination and role and combine them. And some people were like, yeah, mm-hmm. there we go. Some, some. So the nuance of the word, what it did is it enabled Knight especially um, and, and many who followed to talk about this permanent subordination, like always, always, forever. And so he, would, he asserted um, that even though men and women have different roles, he did assert, as many complementarians will, that they are still equal, that mm-hmm. they are still equally um, created in the image of God. Um, and that's where the term complementarianism comes from because uh, Knight and many others would say that men and women complement one another, and that's not the, hey, you look nice today, honey. It's complement like two puzzle pieces fitting together complement to yeah. create a whole puzzle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the problem, however, and this is often a problem, is the fact that the very even distinction of roles and creating a distinction of roles, mm-hmm. it's very rarely equal yeah (laughs) in creating different roles suddenly some roles are more important than others and so then immediately you lose you lose the equality that Mm -hmm. is claimed to have Mm -hmm. because the view that knight supported was characterized by a view of the family where the father was the absolute authority yeah um and i don't know i mean will you're a single guy josh you're married but I mean, and Drew and I have yet to have a any kind of a, a moment in our marriage where um, one of us has had to say, no, this is how it is. No, We've no, always no. come yeah. to a decision mutually. Um, now, one of us might be the one to um, have the stronger feelings about something, mm-hmm. um, but we have always come to it, you know, mutually. Not, you know, And there's been times when I've been like, and it could be on something minor, you make the call. I don't know. You make the call. Yeah. But, you know, 
stuff like, you know, where our daughter goes to school and stuff like that, we've come to mutually. It hasn't been a thing. So, but, but what Knight was doing was like, no, ultimate, ultimate. Um, one, the other thing that Knight's, uh, really kind of put out there in regard to this, but he called it equal, but he continued the view that women, the submission of women merely based on the fact that they were a weaker version of humanity. Um, which when you talk about physiology, um, hello, of course. Yeah, I'm not as strong. So I don't know if we're having a weightlifting competition um, to, to I don't know. prove there's our... A, there's our a lot of women stronger than me. <laughs> we got some CrossFit women in our church that would just put, put some of the sh- dudes to and shame. They, they have put me to shame. <laughs> yeah. And with that, in regard to the women's submission, some would even go so far to say, no, it's not just you submit to your husband, but you submit women to all men and that's crazy women you submit to all men um and then you boil it all the way you know to the point of in that only men should hold in regard to the church any kind of those leadership positions yeah so so as knight asserted this theory of roles by smashing together various texts um he did what we all know you know the the proof texting he yep. he pulled out genesis 2 and 1 corinthians 11 and 14 and ephesians 5 and 1 timothy 2 and he built a theological construct which like i said we call proof texting and he and this is where you you get into this but these texts he argued all spoke of the god-given subordination in his view based on those scriptures the the God-given subordination of women at creation and thus binding on women and the church on all times because, here we go, it's biblical. Mm. Mm. It's biblical. It's biblical. Yep, but I have a tattoo and I eat pig. (laughs) Well, and that's these proof texts all put together have influenced many to believe that Scripture permanently subordinates women to men permanently Mm -hmm. like until jesus returns permanently and all i have to say it to that is and is so the first time jesus came wasn't enough we gotta wait for jesus to come back a second time yep to come to make me completely equal like the first Mm. time wasn't enough because didn't Jesus come to fulfill the law and yep. all that? Ooh, okay. Anyway, so, um, so ooh, it's just when we talk about it's biblical, and and let's. So I, I do want to talk about this for a minute, or maybe I don't. I'm looking at my notes to see. Oh yeah, we'll get there. So the so we're <laughs> we're proof texting and smashing this all together, um, permanently subordinating women to men. It's a quote. That's what the Bible teaches, end quote. That's what we got. So what's surprising to me is how many evangelicals, uncritically, uncritically, so meaning they did not do any critical scholarship, uncritically, and you kind of uh, alluded to this earlier, Josh, as you talked about you weren't reading the Bible, you are reading the people, that, the dudes that wrote the stuff. Yeah, books. they'd already read it for me. Right, mm-hmm. So, but how many people uncritically embrace this teaching of subordination of women and enthusiastically accepted Knight's use of the term role and just said, yep, that's it. Yeah. You know, just took it on. Um, and so other because evangelical... Because it fixed problems in their life. <laughs> or they hoped it would. Yeah. it w- Because, oh, sure, this fixes some issues I've been having. Mm. 
Yeah. It's an it was an easy yes. Mm. Yeah. So they didn't have to check behind it because enough people said yes the question and it you answers had? problems I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For for why you don't want to do the dishes? No, I use so, I'm usually No, I wasn't talking about dishes. you, but just dudes in general. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. I'm going to find a reason in the Bible why I don't have to do the dishes. Yeah. Oh, how we love affirmation. <laughs> mm. Let me prove my point, but you know. Exactly. And I do it. But I think I don't want I, to. I think that's why it was so uncritically and so unanimously yeah accepted by so many yeah Yeah. because i mean let's be real here even though there are some denominations that are more egalitarian now Mm -hmm. there was there wasn't really one in the 70s and 80s um the you the new umc was going to be when it was it was it was it it started in 68 yeah so so so, but it was still rather small it was there yeah uh, yeah so i mean I mean, basically, unanimously by the American church, this was uh-huh. accepted. Yeah, and I think like human beings, as we are, when we see something that we're a little bit skittish about and, and there's an opportunity to respond, we do so like maybe beyond what we needed to. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if as the church, they didn't look at, okay, equality for women, yes. But now, okay, we got women out there burning their bras, and now they got this, and we got that. And then suddenly we're wondering, you know, the, the sexual revolution had been going for about a decade now, and so there's a lot of people worried and concerned, and people are shacking up, and they weren't doing that so a while back. they overshot it. And it's like, they're like, we got to push back, so let's mm-hmm. push, back, push back real Super hard. hard. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like how the GMC has certain things in, in mm-hmm. place that they've, like, they're shutting things too far down maybe i don't know, you know? yeah yeah that's true well, it kind of becomes how some things are not really getting to the root of the issue or whatever mm. the alleged issue is but mm-hmm. some of it almost becomes like retaliation yes yes for sure for sure and so enter into the picture and these names are going to start coming up quite a bit in our mm, conversation some of these hurt um are yeah. so other evangelical professors and theologians such as you will know the name john piper yeah um, I don't know if you know the name Wayne Grudem, but you will know his name because his name will come up a lot. But they all ran in the same circles. But Piper and Grudem began after Knight uh, published his work. Um, I wanted to repeat the name of his work again. Just the the uh, New Testament teaching on the role relationship of men and women. So then Piper and Grudem, uh, they both start, start writing substantially about the submission and headship and they started they were making the biblical claim for women's submission to men and it it was uh it was almost like a this was a, a big topic it was, like a, it was hot, a lot it, yeah it was a hot take that was going to sell books it was the christian in, in the, what they felt like was the christian response to the women's lib movement yeah um they didn't speak for all christians um just like people in the women's liberation movement didn't speak for all women but there you have it mm-hmm. like we do in our society the loudest voice gets the notice so so guys let's uh let's riff on this for a moment about your thoughts on how do we mess this up when using the term biblical i'm doing air quotes when we make statements and we make arguments for or against something what what your i mean <laughs> oh I, Josh, I think you made a great point because I definitely find myself um, have 
done this lots of times and still struggle with it a lot. And that's talking about like, you know, commentaries or like study mm-hmm. Bibles and stuff. And it's like come to the point where now, like I try to be very intentional about like, if I'm doing a study, like I read a plain, plain old Bible. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't start with like a study Bible. I don't mm-hmm. start with a commentary. I read it because at the end of the day, that's what we're told. You know, that's the, the Holy Spirit's mm. job. You know, we ask him to, you know, we reveal that, um, to us of what God's trying to communicate mm-hmm. with us too. Yep. And then it's because the very work of the Holy Spirit that you can read a verse six, seven, eight thousand times again and you can get something <laughs> six, new. Seven, eight thousand, yeah. Get something new every single yeah. time. But I get to the point where I'll read some of these study Bibles or I'll hear uh, a sermon, like a little, you know, we live in the age of sound bites here, that little oh, sixty yeah. second clip mm-hmm. of that um famous it's preacher. The, it's an audio tweet. Exactly. Is what it is. Yeah. Exactly. On Instagram. And the thing, and I equate that to truth. And I'll be the first one to admit, I do it all the time. I, I do it all the time. And I equate that to being the word of God. And it's not, and I don't know if it's part of myself thinking, oh, well, this this person's got millions of Instagram followers or like tons of people. So it must be true. So it must be true. There's no way this guy's like mm-hmm. selling me, you know, uh, a load of crap, right? Well, me. right. Yeah, perfect example is John Piper, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how often Oof. do you question anything? Yeah, that one hurt to read. I'm not gonna lie, says. that one hurt to read. Well, he, and just because I'm saying it doesn't mean it's like, no, oh well. But, I mean, there there are things. There are that, quotes that I have. Yeah, that, yeah, that he has said that you should question. Yeah, be- because mm-hmm. all of us are human beings, I mean, and we I've, interpret. I've said things, things that need to be questioned. So. We we interpret everything. <laughs> With with sin, nature, brain, so of course not everything's going to be right. So there should be things we question. But when you see a, a guy like Piper, and you don't you don't instinctly question him because he is so solid on mm-hmm. so much biblical uh-huh. stuff. Yep, yep. And I, and I don't think he, he, any well, of us is going to question like how solid John Piper is on so much things. Right, but to go back to the one of the very first things you said at the outset was. We don't. Piper doesn't yeah. need to be on a pedestal. No, no absolutely not. Anybody? No. Nor, yeah. nor we do anyone. the same thing with the nominations too. Yeah. Oh and my I goodness! Mean, I mean, yes. I'm sure. No, oh, like yeah. you would know anything about that. Not like we've been going through anything <laughs> like that. The same thing, you know. People want to put into a category. Oh well, this is the only way. This is the right way. Right. You know. Um. I definitely follow. Um. A Wesleyan doctrine. You know, there are other right. people who would say that they follow like a. John mm-hmm. Calvin's doctrine uh-huh. identifies a, a Calvinist or whatever, but I, I've got harsh news for some of us. John Wesley didn't die for me, no, and John did Calvin not. didn't die nope. for you. No, nope. Jesus died for me. Yeah, that's right. And so, what do we These get to the point of defending? Just, yeah. Are we defending like man-made denominations and interpretations, yep. or are we defending the actual beautiful, simple gospel that is the living, breathing Word of God? Amen. Yeah. Woo! Preach it. And I think we even get away from defending. Is it easy to just listen and take? Uh huh. Absolutely. And I think that's where I've fallen in. I think that's where most people fall in is where it's easier to just take someone's word as gospel as opposed to reading the For gospel. Because sure. yeah. we're in the constant search of the perfect teacher, yes. the perfect pastor, yep. the perfect preacher. And um, that's when you get into like Piper news. or whatever. Hey, mm-hmm. Jesus of Nazareth. Hello. Check him out. Nope, nope. That's too. That, that, that's too. <laughs> That's too yes. Yeah, well. you know, like that's too simple. <laughs> so it, uh, it has to be yeah. someone else. That's the, that's the issue. It's got to be someone with flaws like me. Mm-hmm. Is the exactly. Answer. And yeah. the hard truth that we don't want to accept is that apart from Jesus, that perfect teacher Nothing. doesn't exist. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So back to the question, and Josh, I don't know if you really got to speak to it as well, but like, do you 
do you guys see a problem of um, using the term biblical to make an argument, to make a point, uh, to be against something? Um, is there a, a red flag there sometimes? Oh, um, I, oh I, now I automatically assume someone's just trying to throw a shut-up card. Oh, you know? okay. Like, like, this is biblical. Like Take it. 100%. Go home. Like, I, like, if you say something, <laughs> like, if you try to, like, put emphasis on your statement by saying it's biblical, go look it up. Uh-huh. First thing I'm going to do is stop listening to you. Yeah. And go look it up. Yeah. And then look up the, the root word and where else is it used? And what yes. are the other verses that go with sure. it to corrupt? What, yeah. what, 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 is the, yeah. what is the chapters around what you're saying? And I know. Say? I mean, we could go back. It's recorded. Like, there are times when I've said it's biblical. And when you look at Scripture, it's biblical. Like, when you're preaching the Word of God, it's biblical. But to when we um, approach something that is not definitive, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, I'm not going to argue against someone who says... Um, you know, John three sixteen, you know, tells us, you know, it's that, biblical. That, that God gave his only son. And if we believe in him, we have eternal life, you yeah. know, like that's okay. But when you start getting into nuance and you start getting into things that are not clear cut and you mm-hmm. want to say it's biblical, mm-hmm. here, the problem with that is if, you know, let's say Josh, you're like, no, it is biblical We've got to wear red shirts. It's biblical, which we all have red shirts on because of BBS today. <laughs> um, but I'm sitting here going, gosh, I got a lot of green shirts at my house, yeah, and I yeah. really want to wear this green shirt. But now I'm concerned that if I wear this green shirt, that I'm unbiblical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And going back to the point, it's like it's it's pitting, you know, it's winners and losers. It's it's right and wrong. It's all those things. and And we just, we don't need that so because you kind of said mm-hmm. something a minute ago um there's so much in the bible that out of context mm-hmm. is a bit odd yeah 100 <laughs> percent. um leviticus nineteen nineteen. don't wear clothes made of both linen and wool guess what friends i'm running it's, around naked guess what it's biblical yeah yeah okay uh, exodus 22 verse 2 and 3 you can't kill a burglar during the day mm-hmm. guess what it's biblical because it's in the Bible. Is that what we mean by biblical? Leviticus 3.17. This is sad because a good steak, you want a little bit of this. It says don't eat fat. No, no, I'm all on board for that one. Okay. I don't eat the Guess fat. Guess what? It's biblical. It's in the Bible. So we've got to understand context is in there. So, listener, please keep this in mind. As you, you will hear us say, you'll hear me say biblical. In this conversation we're going to have over the next couple episodes, one of the things that Im- immediately makes me go is that this group that I mentioned at the outset call themselves the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Mm-hmm. And that to me goes, hmm, so if it's not what you say, yeah. then it is unbiblical. Mm-hmm. So, were you not, you, you know, not yet? Not oh, time? no. I would, you know, say... I- you're completely right in the fact that it's just there are so many things and the Bible is this, you know, so many of these great stories and these letters that we get of instruction. But you're completely right. There are some things, if you just took that, we cherry-picked that one thing, mm-hmm. we're like, what in the world am I reading? <laughs> oh, like, like I, Shannon, like, I, I really hate to inform you, yes. but... I mean, it's according to, you know, First Timothy 2. I mean, yeah. you weren't saved before you had Mallory. <laughs> like, I hate to break that to you, but 
Praise the Lord. <laughs> 41. I came to know, I came to know I mean, Jesus. And, and we laugh about it, but yeah. that's, it's such a, a true thing. And obviously, people will very conveniently like leave that one out. Yeah. But that's my, my challenge to, to the... Mm-hmm. Like, if I were to sit down and ask these group of guys who, who came up with this, mm-hmm. um, this counts or whatever, I would say, okay, well, you know, we like to, you know, proof texting, cherry pick. We'd like to take the pit, the bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. But we, the Bible's not the the old times country buffet. Shameless plug there. <laughs> you know, we don't get to take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, leave that there. But I mm. want a whole lot of this, you know, you know. Take yeah. a little bit of fried chicken, whole lot of gender rolls, you know, a little bit. Are they buttery? Yeah. Like buttery gender rolls? Mm. Like with, mm. with a side of that honey butter? I don't know if I good. like that. Yeah. <laughs> buttery gender rolls? Hey, all right. So you guys know the, the Amish fireplaces that people yeah. like tout? Yeah. They're like, it's, yeah. I almost feel like sometimes people throw the word biblical around. Like they just throw it on there to make people like, oh, okay, that's going to be oh, it's legit. Amish? Yeah. yeah. Oh, here's a Amish fireplace oh that's gonna be a legit fireplace but it's really from pottery barn right right and i almost feel like that gets used that way so okay i know we're working on time here i, I kind of wanted to keep it in a, in a certain time frame but we could, we yeah, could whatever, keep going. whatever so um what came forth from that going back to that secret meeting in danvers massachusetts mm-hmm. which i keep i pointed out at secret because our buddy wayne grudem who we're going to get to know real well this is from his own quotes that he talked about the fact that these were secret meetings. So in Danvers, Mass., what happened was it wasn't initially a council. They wrote, and, and um, as is most statements that get put out by groups, um, they name it after the city in which they wrote it. Um, and so uh, this statement came out, so it was called the Danvers Statement, for biblical manhood and womanhood. And in it, this term complementarianism got really like, you know, if some people might have been using a little bit, but it became a thing. And it was coined as they, um, as they've been quoted as saying, John Piper and Grudem and others, they, it was complementarianism was coined to combat what Piper and Grudem called feminist egalitarianism. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't enough just to say egalitarianism. They had to throw feminist on there because this was the movement that was happening. Yeah. And we talked about that overshoot of trying to push back. Mm-hmm. And I think this was part of that, in my opinion. Um, and so the statement that they put out, and you can Google Danvers statement, D-A-N-V-E-R-S, to, to read it. But the statement's purpose was to define and set, are you ready, a biblical mandate for divisions among men and women in the church and the home. So let's talk for a minute about this group, okay? Who are these people? Why did they meet secretly? Why did they write a statement? What was happening, we've already talked about, in the culture um, among Christians to cause this group to even get together? Like, what what was going on? Because you don't get together a group of, group of people and write a statement unless something's going on. So Grudem was one of six speakers at uh, an annual conference that happens called the Evangelical Theological Society. It's kind of a big deal. Um, he was one of six speakers in 1986 at this conference. Um, and from his writings, I, we know this, that of the six pe- uh, speakers scheduled, he noticed he was the only one that was not uh, an egalitarian in his viewpoints. And 
again, this is all from his uh, writings. He said that this imbalance troubled him, and it led him, after talking with Dallas Seminary professor Wayne House, so he got a couple of Waynes there, um, (laughs) to hold what he said, in his words, was a secret meeting with other individuals. So in Dallas, they had a secret meeting at the conference to go, hey, we're all complementarians here. Like we're all, we're not egalitarian. So what, what are we going to do? I'm the only speaker. I'm the only one speaking. And so this is from Grudem. He says, quote, we were all saying we had to do something because the egalitarians were taking over the evangelical theological society, the ETS. And so a month later they met again Um, and they met in Dallas and it was Wayne Grudem and Wayne House and John Piper and others who had really significant influence among conservative evangelicals. So they were meeting, um, Wayne House was kind of chosen to chair the meeting and they drafted a statement on what they believed about manhood and womanhood. So they felt like they really need. And so the intention, I don't think the intention was man good woman bad let's push her down i mean i really feel like there was a desire to establish what they saw as a breakdown um among the sexes among i don't i don't know um but i feel like the i don't think the intentions were bad i really don't i don't at all so but in his personal reflections wayne grudem writes this we were still meeting secretly not posting the meeting anywhere not letting anyone know what we were doing we just didn't want to get involved in controversy and argument while we were still getting organized and deciding what exactly we would stand for which that makes me go, okay, so you wanted to stand for something, but you weren't really sure what it was going to be yet. So mm-hmm. I feel like they felt this, and I'm totally just reading into this, but mm-hmm. it's like they felt like they needed to have a response to the women's liberation movement and, they just and had egalitarianism to within the church. It, yeah, what that was going to look like yeah. or, or whatever. Um, so How with, far are they going to go Right, was probably the conversation. Yeah. So it was in 86 when Grudem said, I was one of six, I was the the one of six speakers that wasn't egalitarian. So one year later, at the next uh, ETS, Evangelical Theological Society meeting, mm-hmm. um, this one was in Danvers, Danvers, Mass., uh, which, side note, the Salem witch trials didn't really happen in Salem. They happened, happened in, in Danvers. Danvers. Just wanted you to know that. No um, way. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so... The, the next ETS was going to be in Danvers in December of 1987. And so they convened and met again in secret. And what they did is they put the finishing touches on this statement. And so that's why it was called, named, the Danvers Statement on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. So now, not only did they just produce a statement, but during that private meeting, they voted to incorporate as the council on biblical manhood and womanhood. So now they've got a council of people who are going to lead the way on saying this is what biblical manhood and biblical womanhood is. And so this statement set out what we know now as like the core beliefs, the core structure of complementarianism. Um, I want to share with you a little bit of the rationale. You can go to their website and read about this. There's a Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Um, but here was the rationale for why they needed even to write a statement. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to pick out a few examples because it's pretty long uh, and, and kind of my, my response to some of these. So this was their rationale, overall rationale, for writing this statement. 
They said, we have been moved in our purpose by the following contemporary developments, which we observe with deep concern. And I'm going to share a couple of them. One, the tragic effects of confusion regarding the complementary differences between masculinity and feminine femininity is unraveling the fabric of marriage woven by God out of the beautiful and diverse strands of manhood and womanhood. That sounds wonderful. Um, I mean, at face value, that doesn't sound bad. Yeah. But, and, and this is the thing I'm wondering, like, is, is the, the unraveling of the fabric that the woman wants to go to work (laughs) is the unraveling of the fabric of God's designed marriage that, um, the woman, you know, wants to go back to school or go to college um, in her marriage, yeah. even though she wasn't married. Like, yeah. see, this is some of the stuff that yeah. was going on. And so that's what you wonder. Yeah, go so ahead. Back then. Oh, go ahead, Josh. And see, like, like, I guess my positive brain would go, the unraveling of marriage is like the rise of divorce mm-hmm. and the rise of a single parent yep. family. Sure. Like, fixing that is what uh-huh. that state, like, to me, that... At face value, that statement seems to address those things, like yeah. the rise of divorce, the rise of single parenting. Uh-huh. And because, you know, studies have shown that both yes. of those things are bad. They have, Yeah. Well, and if you even look at the first line, it's the tragic effects of confusion regarding the complementary differences. And so that's saying that, okay, just because a woman is wanting equality doesn't mean that she's confused about her femininity. And that's the key point right yeah. there is back then and what was happening, you know, women yeah. entering the workforce, women yeah. being like, oh, you know yeah. what? It's actually kind of wrong for you to fire me just because I'm having a baby uh-huh. and different things like that. I would say now this most definitely applies and I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Right. But that whole thing with you know, the confusion regarding you know, the differences between masculinity and femininity. Right. But like, you're completely right. That's <laughs> oh yeah, the that dis- rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, not going down there. <laughs> um, but that's, that's the defining point, and it's right. how we're using this. And like, good, it sounds good at face value. It does sound uh-huh. good at face sounds value. So good at face value, but using that to to weaponize something mm-hmm. yeah. of my own personal belief. And so exactly. I the wording, it's this. the tragic effects. Exactly, and you're putting it in a place where we're positioning ourselves, where it's like, even though, and this hasn't right here did not say the you know that word biblical like we're talking about, mm-hmm. still phrasing it in a way and positioning ourselves mm-hmm. to be. To be like, well, if you disagree with me, that, you're unbiblical. I mean, come on, you know, right. it's like you don't even have to say it. Just by how I'm going to phrase it, if you even yep. like dare to disagree with me, if you're a wordsmith, me. yeah, mm-hmm. unraveling the fabric of marriage woven by God. So, um, you know, the implication is God didn't ever, uh, God didn't design women to go to work. Um, God didn't design women to have education. Mm-hmm. God didn't design these kinds of things, you know. Um, and and so it's just making the statement as in, no, this is this is it. This is biblical, mm-hmm. and this is our point. So number four, this was in the I'm listing, so I'm giving you the number that it is in mm-hmm. their list. The four, one of the the number four in their rationale was the r- widespread ambivalence regarding the values of motherhood vocational homemaking and the many ministries historically performed by women. So uh, again, on the surface you go, all right, well, you yeah. know, they, they're concerned about the home and motherhood and stuff like that. Um, now you got to remember in this time, um, birth control was, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, like the, the pill, 
um, can, you know, the Roe v. Wade, you know, like a lot of these things were happening. So I think when they're talking about the ambivalence of motherhood, you're, you're mm-hmm. getting, you're wading into some of those waters in mm-hmm. regard to, yeah. to that. Um, but then vocational homemaking means you ain't working anywhere else mm-hmm. and nothing wrong with being, listen, if that's what you're call, if that's what you want to do and you're able to do that, fantastic. Um, but friends, let's just point out that that's a very American ideal. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, so anyway, um, you I know, do not have that. Right. And I'll just throw that out there. I, it yeah. is, it's my dream. I would love to be a house husband. Like <laughs> I would love to do that. So. I would hate it. That is unbiblical will. Sorry. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I don't want to. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got you. No, I and, mean, when the girls are homesick, like I am pulling my hair out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I would I I agree. I society I think does downplay the role of motherhood in in many cases. Almost to the antithesis of it. Yeah. Because like Kara, if she could, she would be. She would love. Yeah. She would love it. Yeah. To but culture to this point today. Yeah. Like would attack Kara mm-hmm. if she publicly said that. Right. Well, and then you know let's let's go slightly down this tiny little rabbit hole. Lifting motherhood above all other all other calls of a woman, though, when motherhood is not an option for every woman, oh, for sure. Yeah. Or lifting up being a stay-at-home mom when and homemaker over all other vocations mm-hmm. a woman could have, but it's not an option for most women around the globe. Uh-huh. Like I said, that is a very that's as as American as you can get. Oh, absolutely. You can't when win. You think about this, you this council win. writing this. You're getting it from right. both sides. It's yeah. like, you know, you go into a woman wants to go into a job. It's like, mm, how dare you supposed yeah. to be at home in the kitchen, you know, yeah. and at home making babies and yeah. stuff. But then, you know, you stay home and then you've how got people. How dare you? We've been fighting for 50 years for you to go to work. On, you've got people on the other side um, yeah. of that issue going, oh, how dare you? You're bowing to the patriarchy mm-hmm. and it's, yeah. you can't Which, win. We could go way, we could go back a little bit and we might eventually into the whole like in in 1977 when this started you know and and earlier we are um a you know like a generation removed from um the men coming home from world war ii and the women who were basically like hey thanks for running the factories and everything and keeping mm-hmm. the country but going you need to go back to the house you need so to go, go back, back to home and so we're a generation removed of of young women now going hang on that's that's not this isn't what i want to do like i saw mom go mm-hmm. and she was rosie the riveter and so this i so, don't so we're the moms of wayne gruden and john piper yeah yeah exactly that's very true because their dads had to go fight world war ii yeah so when when we talk about that ambivalence regarding motherhood and vocational homemaking you know we got to remember in the garden Woman was given the same command as man, and that was to subdue, to rule, to be fruitful, and to multiply. Mm. Um, there was not, and, you know, make a sandwich. I mean, <laughs> which, uh, yeah, anyway. That's a whole thing. Um, and those commands can be expressed in a lot of different ways. Yes. They don't have to be in that. No. So here's another uh, rationale for why the council even wrote this statement to begin with. They had a concern about the increasing prevalence and acceptance of hermeneutical oddities devised to reinterpret apparently plain meanings of biblical texts. Will you break that down for people that <laughs> don't know? Like um, me? 
Yeah, so people were looking at texts that for a long time, like Second Timothy and others, and, mm-hmm. and some of Paul's writings, and even going back into Genesis, people for a long time who said, oh no, this says man number one, woman number two, there's no other way to look at this. And people were going, hold on a minute, was, wasn't it at the fall? Like, didn't this change? Yeah. Like, when Jesus came, didn't this change? Like, there's no longer slave or free there's no longer gentile or jew there's no longer Mm -hmm. male or female like hasn't this changed and when people some people were like no 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 man one woman two man first woman second uh you know upon the curse uh man will be over you and we can look at that word a little bit later so people were saying hang on there's a different way to look at these scriptures Mm. um they're not necessarily this is exactly what they mean And so here's the deal, though, and I want to make this really, really clear. Mm -hmm. Both egalitarians and complementarians believe in the authority of Scripture, or they wouldn't be throwing around this word biblical all the time. Right. So um, Jesus, and and there's an agreement. Jesus is the Son of God, died on the cross for sins, virgin birth, many of those, the key, the key things that really, really are important. Uh, And so it's important to recognize that and acknowledge that both sides stand on the same foundation of faith. That's important. Absolutely. Um, One, though, how, and this is where we get in trouble. One, though, is not radical and the other biblical. Using terms like biblical authority, it's, it can be like a fear tactic. Mm. I mean, it really can. It's a shut up card. it, It lacks humility. Yeah. yeah. It's I've said my I've, interpretation is the right one. Bible backs it up. Shut up. Shut down that conversation. That's right. Mm. And so if one side says, No, this is God's position or scripture says or it's biblical, it's like any other interpretation is concluded to not be scriptural and that's like conversation over. Mm. And and this is why in their regard like people were wanting to have the conversation. And they were like, no, no, conversation over. Mm-hmm. And now we're concerned you're wanting to continue the conversation. So we're going to have to write a statement. Yeah. Um, here's what we, and mm, this is really, everyone, this is everyone addressing, anytime we look at these texts, we must admit that our conclusion when we read the text is an interpretation. Mm-hmm. After... Even reading the scriptures in a Bible means we have already entered into interpretation. Yeah. Translators have to make judgment calls on words and concepts. Everyone is reading some form of interpretation, unless, of course, you have the absolute beginning original manuscript. Absolutely. Anybody got those? <laughs> well, let me check. Nope, yes. don't have it there. So. Just, just speaking of that, how would you like to be at the, like, judgment and you have to answer for that (laughs) like how sucky would that be no yeah 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 so let's let's wrap up today's episode so so when the group met secretly in danvers massachusetts in 1987 um they voted to incorporate as a council on biblical biblical manhood and womanhood Mm -hmm. so if if you don't agree with them then you're unbiblical that's yeah and the stated goal of the council was to influence evangelicals to adopt the principles of complementarianism and they wanted them to adopt them in their homes and in their churches and in their schools and in other religious agencies this mm-hmm. is from their website yeah. like this is what they want and you may think someone might think okay a handful of people decided to publish a statement and form a council so what's the big deal the big deal is the influence yeah 
that these people had. Mm -hmm. They had audience, they had pulpits, they had spotlight, they had books, they had seminaries, they had classrooms. Um, And the vast influence that the authors of the Danvers Statement had and still have should not be underestimated. Mm -hmm. And I posit that some of the things we've been dealing with in the last couple of years um, are a direct result of some of these beginnings. Mm. Um, The authors and the promoters of the statement were in very strategic places to make an impact in just about every facet of Christian life. Um, Because what came next was Piper and Grudem wrote a book called Recovering Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Which means in their, it was like, oh, it's been lost. Manhood's been lost. Womanhood's been lost. Let's recover it. And the title itself, it alludes that this this manhood and womanhood was lost. It's being lost or it's eroding. And so the impetus is to recover it, make it known, place it at a high level of importance. And we're definitely going to discuss this book more in coming episodes. But a counter book was written in 2020 called Recovering From Biblical Manhood and Womanhood by the author Amy Bird. Um, and she wrote this. Um, she wrote an expression of, quote, Biblical manhood and womanhood isn't so biblical if women in the early church were able to contribute more than they do and that they can today. Or, and I add, or more than maybe even entire denominations allow today which I think is a really good point. We'll talk more about that later too. So, all right, so we're calling this The Problem With, and we started today with kind of an overview of mm-hmm. the Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Talking about the problem, is there a problem with this? So what could be the problem with our conversation today and maybe the viewpoints that any of us have expressed? If someone's listening going, well, you know, <laughs> what do we think? I would say definitely. Um, there are definitely problems, and that's. I'm gonna try to make sense here. I think <laughs> that in itself is, is the big problem is that we can't face. I don't want to say criticism, but we can't be challenged mm. on our beliefs. I think we're used to um, either reading something and blindly following it and accepting it, yeah. and then from somebody else when we read it, and you're then, oppressing me right now. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so, so sorry. I've not created this to be a safe space for you. This is not a safe space. This isn't a safe space. (laughs) But, and also how we read that with other people, we in turn expect when people hear us Mm -hmm. or the same thing, we expect people to just take it as it is. And if we can't be challenged, then, Mm -hmm. then what do we have? Like if we can't, Mm -hmm. like if I can't ask either one of you, like, okay, what's your position on Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z? And you can't, you know, hold up this holy bible right here and say okay well based mm-hmm. on based on the scripture right here th- this is why i believe this right now and that brings me to this point and and I, i'm really going to try to wrap it up but i'm not going to go no, down this good. rabbit hole either is that really brings us to a problem and i talked about it in the very beginning is about the putting the pastors on the pedestal so mm-hmm. we give pastors far too much credit and we're far too critical of them so mm. the second we hear something we don't like we like to throw out that term you know false teacher that's heretics you know Mm. you're teaching me you're preaching a false gospel and perfect example you know josh like you said like john piper very well respected Mm -hmm. theologian 
on this particular issue, I, I do not agree with John yep. Piper. And, mm-hmm. and and you know what? That's okay. And that's okay. And like Shannon, if someone's freaking out about yes. that, then you gotta you need to check your Exactly where you've put John where, Piper. One hundred percent. And yeah. just like I was telling you um earlier is same thing is John MacArthur, mm-hmm. another very in the mm-hmm. Christian community, very well respected mm-hmm. um when it comes to like old testament Many, stuff. Yes. Like one of my Mm-hmm. most frequently visited places his commentary mm-hmm. now there are not just the issue of um you know women roles and leadership um but other issues you know when it comes to like you know atonement and stuff yeah. and different things like that i i do not agree with that but i still firmly believe you know macarthur you know piper i believe that they're anointed preachers of the word and uh-huh. that tons and tons of people are going to be rejoicing in eternal glory because they came to they know the savior amen because they present right. the work and the work that not that they did yeah. but the fact that god used them to do work because yeah. we like to forget that that even people we don't like god's still gonna use them <laughs> and i'll get off my soapbox for that for a second but i just think that's a very important point to yeah, make. yeah i think is the you're fact right. that something's not wrong or mm-hmm. you know the anti of what you yeah. are just because you don't agree mm-hmm. yeah I, that's good Josh, what what could be the problem with what we talked about today? Like our viewpoints, our understanding with you. I, so I would say and for it, it, me, I said it, or you said yeah. it, or Will said it. I mean, it's um, is you know that I, because I do feel like there is an issue with biblical manhood and biblical womanhood in society and culture, and I feel like because we're it's been eroded both statures of of what god actually intended that we've lost the meaning what a godly man and a godly woman look like Mm -hmm. in society and that's where i feel like we've we put these band-aids on Mm -hmm. on what we think it should look like Mm. and instead of going to the source material and saying this is what god has called me to be as a man Mm -hmm. or this is what god has called care to be as a woman Mm -hmm. and if we're not live and and that is the and I feel like if we got to those problems mm-hmm. and and really fleshed those out of what God intended a man to be and a woman to be mm-hmm. outside of each other, mm-hmm. not talking about the relationship that they have, because when you figure out the spirituality of both a man and a woman, it can, it can coexist a lot better. But until we figure out, like, who who puts anyone above someone that doesn't that hasn't mastered the qualities that the job entails, right? Like you don't become a boss typically <laughs> <laughs> unless you understand everything that you're supposed to do and you can make those things. Mm-hmm. But so many of us men and women are so far off on what we need to be spiritually. Yeah. And then and then there's and then flawed people are creating edicts that put one above the other mm. to try to understand why we have issues without actually dealing with their issues mm. is is the problem mm-hmm. in my mind yeah like like um I, I think i'm following you like i can be a jack wagon in everything every aspect of my life but because i have genitalia that s- puts me in the male category mm-hmm. then someone could be like so i'm better than you yeah yeah so and 
<laughs> so until it's like, well, that's no. There's a there's a character thing yeah, there. There's sure. a there's a godliness sure. that God. Yeah, you've thrown around that term so many times and like just loosely and put so many like hypotheticals mm-hmm. of this of you know this versus this and mm-hmm. that's been the whole situation. It's you know man versus woman in this particular situation yeah. mm-hmm. that we've lost. We've lost track of what it actually means to be a godly man and a godly woman. And right. if you can't define that, how are mm-hmm. you going yeah, to define what they're going to do together? How are you going to define roles when you don't understand what a godly man yeah. is? Preach. Yeah, which I think that leads into what, and I would say this, maybe we'll for the next episode we'll, we'll do it like this. So we've talked about the problem in the council of manhood and womanhood. The problem with Shannon mm-hmm. <laughs> is that I'm an all or nothing person. And so, like, when you talk about, like, not receiving criticism stuff, like, that's something I have to work on all the time. You know, that's, but um, for me, even as I look at this stuff, like, I don't want to be like, okay, now I've put all this information out there. So if you've listened to it, everyone must now agree with me. Yeah. I have to check myself on that because that's Mm -hmm. not right. And it's one of the things I'm actually pushing back against in some of these people that, Mm -hmm. you know, they've put this out and they're like, no, this is what we believe. So you better be on board. And so I can't have... Uh, you know, one expectation expectation for them, and then one not for me. Mm-hmm. So that's sometimes to check myself on. Um, and then secondly, it's again with the all or nothing. Um, you know, it's like you either have to be complementarian or you have to be egalitarian. Exactly. Or as you just both pointed out, uh, this is about men versus women. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, by being egalitarian, you're not saying that no women should be number one and men should be number two. No, and so we make everything so stark mm-hmm. and and it's got to be all or nothing and i just jesus didn't come to 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 i, I just i don't see that what jesus he um, didn't come for his creation to be at odds no he covenant didn't. not competition boom hello thanks for listening everybody <laughs> covenant not competition that's that's it right there that's it that's it right there mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to say anything more. Nope, I, that's, that's the problem that's... with Shannon is I'm more about competition than covenant. And that's my problem. And I'll have to work on that. So, um, well, Hey, Will, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I've had yeah. a very good time. Even though it's really cold. It's really yeah, cold. Yeah. <laughs> my um, nose has started running. Yeah. It's so cold. <laughs> Josh, uh, I'd rather be cold than hot though. Right. Amen. Very so, true. Um, uh, Josh, thank you as always. Um, listener, I hope you have enjoyed this first episode of this kind of the 167 special edition, the problem with, I don't know how many episodes this is going to be. Um, but we have several more ahead of us to be looking at. So, Will, I hope you'll join us again. Absolutely. And, um, thanks for listening and we'd love your feedback. Let us know. And if you're liking what you're hearing, hey, would you like it and share it and let people know? Yeah. Maybe even write us a review. Mm-hmm. Unless it's bad, then we don't want to hear. Yeah, don't crit- write us a review. We don't want to hear your bad. critical thoughts at all. No. So, uh, but porch community, we love you guys. We look forward to seeing you soon, and uh, pray for us that we make it through VBS. Yeah. Oh, all right. See you guys next time. Sorry, See you bye. <laughs> See you bye. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to the 167 podcast. Join us next time for more insights to inspire, challenge, and encourage to help you live into the remaining 167 hours of your week.